0: 1450 AM WKXL, 103.9 FM in the capital region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and beyond. It is Kale and Company. We are presented by Weed Family Automotive, located at 124 Store Street in Concord. You can call for an appointment right now at 603 225 7988, or you can even make an appointment online at Weed Family Automotive. Dot com And uh, joining us today on this edition of Kale & Company is the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Communications at the University of New Hampshire, also the voice of the UNH Hockey Wildcats, and a very proud WKXL alum, it, ladies and gentlemen, is Mike Murphy. Murph, how are you today?
1: Ken, I'm blushing with the introduction. You hit all the important points. I can't argue with any of
0: them. I could have gone on and on, but, you know, we only have a limited amount of time here on on the broadcast. If I had to read your total resume and uh, the fact that you are uh, the reigning New Hampshire sportscaster of the year for the 92nd time, which is just pretty, (laughs) pretty amazing. But, uh, Mike, congratulations on that. And uh, and also, congratulations. They, the Wildcats uh, are on a roll right now, having won uh, four in a row as we record this, including two over nationally ranked Boston College. What, uh, what has turned things around?
1: Uh, a lot of things, can have, have contributed to it, but it sure is nice, as my, my broadcast partner Pete Webster said the other day as we were leaving Connie Forum. It's a lot more fun when you're winning. And so right now things are really fun. I think the biggest thing has been contributions from all four lines, defensemen, and the freshmen are really starting to come around and become big-time players. In particular, Colton Heward is a defenseman who has joined the offense. He's on a big four-game point streak, was the rookie of the week in hockey East this week after being the defenseman of the week last week. So Heward, over the last four games, has three goals, five assists. And then nothing better on your defense than your goalie, and Mike Robinson, who's from Bedford, New Hampshire, a senior who's played extremely well. He's had he's come close to a few shutouts in a row. Hasn't gotten one. You no, know, beat Mercyhurst seven to one, beat Clarkson five to one, and then Boston College uh, three to two and five to two this past weekend. Hadn't swept those guys going back to two thousand nine. So all feeling good right now but uh, momentum is only as good as yesterday's starting pitcher, Ken. The that is true. Weekend coming up with two at UConn this weekend.
0: Yes, and uh, at the XL Center, the uh, beautiful XL Center in downtown Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, we'll we'll get to that and, and preview that in a moment. But really, the, the goaltending and defense uh, all year has really not been an issue. It's just been a matter of uh, putting the puck in the net.
1: Yeah, and, and the first time that New Hampshire really kind of got off the schneid offensively was New Year's Eve. And that was it was a consolation game at the Ledyard Classic at Dartmouth. You know, they're coming off a disappointing loss to the big green three to one. So coincidentally, it would have been UNH against Boston College in Hanover for the championship, but the Wildcats had to settle for the consolation game. So everyone else is getting ready for their New Year's Eve celebrations. UNH could have been feeling down on themselves. They hadn't won a regulation game since November. But instead they put it all together, scored seven goals in that win. And may not have seemed like much, but it had jump-started them, where now, since that time, they've had two five-goal games and a three-goal game, and they hadn't scored more than four goals since opening night going into that Mercyhurst game. So it just when coaches say it's so important to get games in because of COVID and injuries, that's what they're talking about, like just the idea of playing that one game. It may not have gotten any league points. A lot of people might not have even been paying attention because, oh, Mercyhurst is... Not a strong team, but that game, I still believe, Ken, was a launching pad for what has been a really good streak.
0: So it all happened
1: in Hanover. (laughs) In this case, yes. (laughs) It's not always the case, you know. And and it was a strange thing, you know, with COVID, not to get too much into the virus thing, but literally during that trip, a couple of players tested positive. So Mm. next thing you know, everybody's got to retest. We have to figure out a way who's playing when. And much like the rest of the country, a week later, we had a game against St. Lawrence on Friday the 7th that was canceled because St. Lawrence had COVID protocols. The next day against Clarkson, which is a really good program, you know, perennial 20 win team sure. yeah. out of the North Country of New York, New Hampshire was missing 11 players. Mike Souza, the head coach, convinced a student at UNH who was going to fly to Miami for the Patriots-Dolphins game to change his flight and suit up as a backup goalie because we didn't have wow. a healthy backup wow. goalie. And the team rallied together. You had forward playing defense. This kid actually got in the game, and you and H.B. Clarkson 5-1. to one. It was a pretty feel-good <laughs> moment. It just goes to show, you know, don't make excuses. Find a way. And the team did that night.
0: Now, had uh, this individual had uh... – any goaltending sp- – he must have had some goaltending experience in the past for Mike Souza to even consider that.
1: Yes, I, I haven't talked to uh, – Jake Monez was his name, real nice kid from Wakefield, Massachusetts. Another coincidence. Yes. Hometown of Mike Souza. Exactly. But uh, Jake had worked in a ticket office. He played men's league, not club team. And a lot of people say, well, you don't, why don't you get the club goalie? But here's the rule about club, Ken. If you play for the say the UNH club team yeah. and you're serious about that, then don't go play even for a single game with the Division One team because then you're ineligible to go back to the club roster.
0: Ah, okay. they don't
1: want you know, they don't want the club team being stacked filled with division one athletes. Not that I'm sure that would happen anywhere, but so you have to go even deeper. And so here's somebody who played high school hockey competitively. He had joined the team only during Christmas break last year just for practices. So he kind of knew a little bit about the team, and they saw him, and he could stop some pucks. So sure enough, pressed into duty, knowing there weren't enough healthy players. He changed his flight, Jake did, to Sunday morning to go to Miami and played in that game on Saturday night, even had a chance to make a save. So it was uh, a real still good moment for him.
0: I guess so, and uh, a great story that uh, I did not realize uh, had occurred up until right now. So that that's why we have you on the, on the program, Murph. You know, you're always... Uh, you know, uncovering stories that most people had had not heard of prior to your appearance on the show. Well, so,
1: kind if go. all I do is yeah, if all I do is narrate what you've already read. That I'm Troy Aikman. <laughs> I got to <laughs> give you something more. That's you know? right. That, that's
0: exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, Robinson has been good between the pipes uh, all season long from Bedford. He's a draft pick of the uh, San Jose Sharks, and I guess there's that remote possibility since he is a senior that perhaps when. The, uh, the Wildcats season is over. He, he might be uh, joining the, the San Jose organization.
1: Yeah, it's always a possibility. And when you say he's playing well all year, yes and no. It's funny how, much like pitching, going back to that analogy from before, he, he has struggled. He had some, some rough games early on. And then David Fessenden, who's our number two goalie, played at Alabama Huntsville before transferring to UNH. A large man. He's like six. So he fills up the uh, net quite a bit, mm. wow. and he's had some good games, but somehow when you get pushed to the bench and you're watching a few times, that can kind of, you know, the old high-tide raises all ships, thought, where with competition, Robinson has picked it up a notch, and to borrow a Coach Sousa phrase, um, a good Mike Robinson's as good as you'll find in Hockey East, and he has been good, which, no coincidence, the team has been winning as a result.
0: Yeah, and uh, and we don't know really if he's on the radar of San Jose or not because when I look at this, he, he was drafted in 2015. <laughs> a, it, that seems like a, a lifetime ago, you know. I mean, seven years ago. Yeah, that's uh, you follow <laughs> hockey pretty
1: closely. How do you, it's such a hit or miss, and I don't want to go through some names of other players, but if you go look at the New Hampshire roster over the last five or six years, even. You'll see somebody, hey, draft property of this team yeah. and never sniff the NHL because it is right. a difficult deal. But at the same time, someone like Warren Fogel who played here, left after a couple of years, has got on to success in the NHL. Uh, Brett Pesci, the Van Riemsdyk yeah. brothers. Yeah. There's a number of success stories too. So, you know, all you need's a chance. And once you get out there, I'm sure Mike Robinson will have a better chance than others because San Jose's invested in him. So I, I wish him well
0: once that time comes. Yeah, a- absolutely so. Mike Murphy is with us. He is the uh, voice of UNH hockey and has been for a number of years now and has seen uh, uh, several of those players uh, graduate to the uh, National Hockey League. Uh, we talked about Wakefield, Mass., the uh, hometown of uh, Mike Souza, uh, now in his fourth season uh, behind the bench for the Wildcats after replacing Dick Humilly. Uh How do their styles differ? I- I'm talking about behind the bench, and off the ice in, in terms of uh, Mike Souza from, from Wakefield, Mass., uh, Dick Humilly from Melrose, Mass., uh, originally. How do their uh, styles and, and approaches differ?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question, and I have to dig back a little bit. I mean, it's easy to say, well, Umili's old school and Souza's new school. Um, Mike is very involved in every aspect of the program, and that's not to say Coach Umili wasn't, but you think about the last few years. You know, once, once Mike Souza was hired as the associate head coach, Coach Milley was giving more opportunity for, for Coach Souza, who was learning, okay, how does our academic program work in terms of tutoring and getting classes? What about our facilities? How do we upgrade the Whittemore Center? He's like a CEO type and empowers his coaches, Jeff Giuliano, who I know you're close with, and, and Glenn Stewart, who is an associate head coach. So Mike is a. Um, I guess strategic is a good word. I think Coach Milly was all about the hockey towards the latter years, probably wasn't out recruiting as much. And while Mike is not out recruiting, he's using the technology with Zoom, sending coaches on the road, and is so invested. One of his favorite things to say is, all right, what do we do the day after we win the national championship? Now, he's not saying we're winning it this year, but he always wants the, the plan of what comes next. And he took a lot of what coach humility taught him as far as inside the locker room, wildcat pride and still that in the program. But he also learned a lot from Mike Cavanaugh, who is the UConn head coach in his day-to-day preparation. And when coach Souza was at UConn, he used to pick the brain of Jim Calhoun or pick the brain of Gino Ariema. Ah, he, he tried to learn yeah. as much as he could from all these amazing coaches that were on that same campus at once. And, you know, is a, uh, Vivacious reader, and likes to share books about leadership. And I haven't none of it really stuck with me. But he's he's very kind to share these books with me and, and give me <laughs> instruction along the way. He's somebody I really enjoy spending time with when I get the chance.
0: See, you know, you don't even think about that. And you know, I uh, you know follow UConn sports to a certain extent because one of my daughters went there, but. And you know, you you talk about being on campus, but the likes of Jim Calhoun and Gino Oriemma, not to mention uh, Mike Kavanaugh, that's that those are pretty good tutors to have.
1: It is, and and every time we go to the XL Center, Coach, and it'll be the same this weekend. Coach News will point out, yeah, this is where I talked to Gino after a game, and he was talking about this. I mean, it really is like going to school and learning from masters. And uh, Mike is someone who. Is, is quick to point out those who came before him and never afraid to draw from others. Like, he is close friends with Coach Cassidy with the Bruins and talks to him frequently and other NHL people about, what are you doing in practice? You know, what are you doing film sessions? Are you getting better? Always looking to strive and, and pick up nuances that can help him. You know, it's unfortunate because you, you look around and say, well, it's win-loss record, this, that, and the other. And that's the, right, we're all judged by that, as as Bill Parcells will tell you. You are what your record says you are. But I don't think people truly appreciate the cerebral approach he takes to building a program, engaging with alumni, you know. He doesn't want every outreach to a former player to be, hey, can you send money to help us? He wants to make sure most of the connections he makes to former players is, we want you back. Talk to the team. If you're in the business world, can you do a networking night? And then maybe, yeah, these people, because they feel connected back to their alma mater, will eventually, if they are fortunate enough to be in a financial position to do so, give some money that will help the program. Because I tell you, Ken, coming down the road really quick, our renovations for the Whittemore Center, when it was built in 1995, it was state-of-the-art, people loved it, and it's still a wonderful venue, great place to watch hockey, but the building hasn't been changed, with the exception of that great video board, in 27 years. And so, look at Snively Arena. It was just about the same age when they tore it down. Well, not tore it down. They renovated that and made it a rec center and built the WIT. So, time has not been on the side of that building. And In the next 12 months and beyond, expect to hear some news about what's next with the WIT. to Keep up with Uh, all these other programs. A
0: little tease there worth tease, can you know i mean I want, I
1: want to be a KXL
0: to get some of the scoop wow i, I guess so and and uh, boy that uh, makes makes the the mind uh, you know uh, swirl a little bit just wondering what might be up with the uh, with the Whittemore center which as you say is a wonderful place uh, to watch a game and i and i have to say i have to say and i i can't well i i can because of comments i've heard from other people but the bathrooms at the wit have to be the largest anywhere in sports. You know what? You cannot complain about the size of the bathrooms at the Whittemore Center.
1: Now, there's a great question I hadn't anticipated, and I, you're right. It's a very large bathroom, a lot of sinks, a lot of stalls, whether yeah. you're on the men's side. I can't speak for the women's side. Yep. but
0: Well, I've off, been, told, off, I've been told the women's side is equally uh, as accommodating as, as the men's. I've been Which told that on good yeah. authority. <laughs> so there's no lines, right? Exactly. I mean, they're, dryers
1: they're, and paper towels. Yep. you know, you get the option. You, you get the Plenty option. Soap. Yep.
0: Yeah. I I mean, really. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, it's remarkable. Any any anybody who uh, I've been with that uh, goes into uh, one of the bathrooms for the first time at the Whittemore Center always remarks how big it is. I mean, why can't they get you know bathrooms like this at the Garden? <laughs> I, you know. Uh, really? Or any other uh, sporting venue, for that matter. Fenway Park, for example. But uh, anyway, that, that's, a, that's a great thing. Great sight lines there at the WIT. If you've never seen a game there, I would uh, highly you know, encourage it because it is a tremendous place to watch a game. But apparently, uh, some, some uh, renovations are in store. And we'll be anxious to find out what they may be in the uh, not-too-distant future.
1: Ken, all the things you say are accurate, and it's from a fan perspective. I like to think it's still as good a take as you'll find in Hockey East. I think it's more from the what are the student-athletes and coaches getting. You know, what yeah. does the workout room exactly. look like? Yep. The ice yep. surface is still olympic size, sure. which back yep. in the 90s seemed like it was a pre- um, preferred ice surface, but as things go on, you see more recruits who want that NHL or yep. close to NHL size, rink. Right? Things like that that... Um, You know, you have to keep up with the drones. As far as we're not going to shorten those bathrooms, we'll make sure there's plenty of goodness for that.
0: (laughs) But no, you you talk about the facilities, and that has so much to do uh, with the recruiting of the athletes, as you well know. I I mean, because you know, they certainly when they travel from campus to campus to you know see where they might be playing in the future, the facilities for them uh, certainly means a lot and can you know make the difference in a decision that uh, future su- superstar is going to make, whether he attends you know, UNH or Boston College or-, or UConn or whatever other choices uh, he may have. Uh, it makes a huge difference, so I, I can understand where those uh, renovations are in order.
1: And some of the things are not as glamorous as, hey, look, Minnesota Duluth has hot tubs that are fancier than you'll find in a hotel suite. It's little things that people don't understand. A day like today, where the temperatures in the low teens, our women's team and our men's team, when they go to work out, just lift weights, they walk across the street back to the field house, where we have the Jerry Azuma Strength and Conditioning Center. So here they are in their shorts and sweatshirts, you know, freezing day, and they have to go over there to work out, then come back to the rink and practice. Just having not enough space to work out in the Whittemore Center yeah. is a thing that... Now people can recruit against you by saying, why do you want to go there? It's cold, and you have to go across the street. So any little thing that will become an advantage for some of your league rivals is something you want to try to offset, obviously, with the beautiful campus and the great education and the history. So UNH has a lot going for it. Now now they want to get just a little bit more going forward.
0: Well, as we mentioned, the next up for the uh, UNH Wildcats, some pivotal games against or a couple of pivotal games against uh, the UConn Huskies at the XL Center in uh, Hartford. How do you see uh, the matchup?
1: Yeah, UConn's good. Yeah, I mean they, they they beat BC right before UNH had that good weekend against BC, and you know I've been to the XL Center quite a few times, always in awe about the history of the place and the Hartford Whalers, but I haven't seen UNH win too many there recently. Last year, the Wildcats beat the Huskies, but that was at the Freitas Forum, the on-campus facility, and I wasn't even allowed to go last year. So we had to, that's one of those games where Pete and I had to broadcast from a monitor at wow. home, and UNH won in overtime, but this didn't have the same feel. Those, those remote broadcasts were, that was miserable. We did it a couple times this year when the team played at Arizona State, and it was just a, a bad experience all around. But the point is, Wildcats, Yes, they're feeling good, they have some momentum, Uh, but this is really tough. I mean, a weekend at UConn, this will tell you, because the Wildcats, despite getting six points last week against BC, still down near the lower part of the league, so not too far away from top four, which is where you want to get to. Everybody will make the postseason, but home ice advantage is always uh, the preference, so it's it's big. It's really big as we get down the stretch. You know, only four more home games, wow. and a few more weekend. Everything is hockey east as we hit the end of January through March.
0: Uh, do you have a uh, flight pay uh, built into your contract when you go to Hartford?
1: <laughs> well, our good friend John Leahy, as you know, the voice of Merrimack. He and I differ on our appreciation for the sight line yeah. from the XL Center. I am not particularly fond. Of walking along the catwalk oh and being boy. near the ceiling, don't, it is don't remind not me. my prefer. <laughs> so I, it sounds like Ken, you're in my camp. There. I,
0: I am definitely in your camp. I, I'll tell you, I, I, I hated going to that broadcast location. The arena itself is fine, and, and you know, I, I guess theoretically, the broadcast location is is good, but I, I just I just don't like it. I don't like the catwalk. I, I don't like the fact that, you know, if you make one false move, I always thought my iPad or a piece of equipment would go over the balcony, and that, that would be it. I would never see that piece of equipment again, and I might injure somebody severely. So, I you know, it was just not, not a place I look forward to going to, unfortunately. As a fan and sitting in the stands there, it's great. But as a broadcaster where they, they put us, uh, it, uh, it's not so great as far as I'm concerned. One thing it does do, and I'll ask you about this, and this is a little, I guess, inside baseball or inside hockey, if you will. I, I mean, you can see one of the positives is you can see the plays developing uh, from, from, that, uh, from that distance and, and from that height. And I think it also kind of slows the action down uh, a little bit in, in, in the uh, eye of the broadcaster.
1: Yes, yes to both. Uh, you know, I think of the NFL comparison of the All Twenty Two. Coaches would love the film from up there, as you All can right. see everything. Yeah, I just prefer being closer to the action. I don't want to be on ice level by anything.
0: No, but no. A
1: place like the Whittemore Center or Matthews Arena yep. in Northeastern, you have some. You're right there. You can hear things. You can feel it. You can hit the puck. You can sound the puck. Now it's almost like you hear the puck hit the boards on delay by the yeah. time the sound gets to you, and it does seem <laughs> a little bit slower. I hadn't thought of it from that angle before, but you're right. I almost feel like I'm removed uh, from, from the action, and so I'm very excited that in the coming years, UConn will have a new on-campus facility that we'll be able to eventually visit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Any any uh, any word as to when that may be opening? Uh, you know what? I have to
1: double-check because anything might have been delayed with COVID, but they announced the the agreement to do it. So I I have to admit I don't know the exact, but I imagine in the next couple of years that will come to fruition. All right.
0: Mike Murphy is with us. And, uh, Mike, stand by. We have to take a quick break here on uh, AM 1450 WKXL 1039 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9, our new signal in the Manchester area. Kale & Company presented by Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. You can call for an appointment right now, 603 603- 2257988 Welcome back. It is and Company, AM 1450 WKXL 103.9 FM in the Capital Region 101.9 in Manchester presented by Weed Family Automotive. Our guest today, the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Communications at UNH and the voice of the University of New Hampshire Hockey Wildcats, Mike Murphy and the reigning New Hampshire Sportscaster of the Year, and an alum of WKXL, now in its 76th year of serving Concord and Vicinity. And, Mike, I know you weren't here when things opened up at uh, WKXL. When did you join the radio station?
1: Well, here you are saying year 76. I vividly remember when we got to year 50, uh-huh. the, gold, the golden voice yeah. of the capital region, we were branded that particular year. And, you know, people would come in the studio and you'd have them record a promo congratulating WKXL on at 50 years. So that tells you about when I started 1995 was my first year there. And I just smile when I hear Weed Family Automotive, for instance, you know, on Store Street. I still live in Concord. Hopefully never will leave. And to hear those companies still supporting the radio station. I think it's fantastic.
0: Uh, it truly is. And uh, I know we have the new signals. I mean, uh, yeah, one time it was a standalone uh, AM signal, but now you have the uh, the FM signal in, in Concord at 103.9 and the very new signal at 101.9 in the Manchester area. So uh, WKXL is reaching people that it has never reached before.
1: Well, it goes back to what we said before the commercial break. The Whittemore Center, fantastic, opened in 1995. My career in KXL started in 1995, but, of course, you have to change with the times and evolve, and it certainly sounds like that's what WKXL is doing here in 2022.
0: All right, so how how did, you, how did your path lead you to Reddington Road in Concord?
1: Well, I needed a job. I was graduating from college at Syracuse University, small school up in New York, And back then, you didn't have the Internet. I'm sure it existed in some form, but it wasn't widespread. So I would trudge, like all my fellow seniors, to the Career Center at the Newhouse School of Public Communications and look for any job open, TV or radio, because I wanted to be a broadcaster, and specifically in sports. And one day, I saw a post from a UNH alum by the name of Randy Goldberg. Randy was... Working at WKXL as the morning news anchor and reporter, the news director at the time, I believe, and had posted they were looking for a morning board operator, sports caster, and that of course got my attention. And there was a phone number down. so you know, of course, I was going to send my materials and letter, but I actually called the phone number, and as memory serves me, can I believe it was even after five o'clock? Like two things you can't do now is call somebody expecting an answer. And call them after five. And the person who answered the phone was Dick Osborne, who was the general manager of WKXL at the time, happened to be in the building. And he and I had a conversation that was at least 10 or 15 minutes long. And he said, yeah, send your stuff in. I think that conversation really helped set up the uh, job interview I had right after I graduated and we hit it off. You know, he talked about being the voice of UNH hockey and how much he enjoyed sports casting and play-by-play. And I shared that was my passion. And the day before my wedding, which was two weeks after I graduated college, he called me up and offered me the job to move from... My wife was in Naperville, Illinois. It was $13,000 a year. She agreed to marry me, agreed to move to New Hampshire, and voila, here we are.
0: Wow. And the rest, as they say, is history. Right? When you heard that Dick was the voice of... The UNH Wildcats, uh, I, I, I'm sure you said to yourself, someday, I want to be that guy.
1: Well, I didn't know college hockey. I, I'd heard of it at the time. Oh, well, yeah, you know, there's Lake Superior State in Minnesota. But I, I really had no aspirations at that time to follow a, a career as a hockey play-by-play announcer. But Jim Janot, our friend and legend, much yep. like Dick, Jim was the sports director at WKXL. He was the voice of UNH football and men's basketball. He was the guy I immediately gravitated to. Mm -hmm. And he was kind enough to mentor me, eventually bring me in as his broadcast partner on UNH games. And so I went from board-opping some of these games to working with Jim, and he opened the door for me to, to get involved at UNH. But in terms of the hockey question, I tell you, I, I kid you not, Ken, and you're a fantastic hockey play-by-play announcer. But I will say this, when I was just young in the first couple years of WKXL, even to this day, to have Dick Osborne, the voice of UNH, and Jim Rivers, the voice of Concord and Bishop Brady Hockey, to the, I can't find better play-by-play announcers to this day than those two guys, and they're both in the same radio station very at true. the same time.
0: Yeah, very, very true. You You had some great mentors, for sure.
1: Yeah, and it, it was just great to listen to. You know, I, yeah. I'd worked mornings and eventually did my own sports show, but I remember like a Friday night and I knew I could put on KXL and find either a big Concord game with Dunk Walsh or a yeah. big Bishop Brady game and have J- Jim Rivers and Harvey Smith on the call. And it was, you know, Harvey and Bruce during high school football season. Or if it was a Tuesday night and Jim Jannot and Frank Monahan were doing a UNH game or... Dick and Pete Webster doing hockey. It was so much so much local sports. Yeah. At the time KXL had an FM and an AM. The FM was 102.3 and you'd have simultaneous either high school or college games on and as a as a junkie and a nerd for play-by-play as a listener. I really really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean at that time I I was working for uh, another station in the area and you know, I was very jealous because KXL covered just about everything that moved in the world of sports locally so you know it was just uh something that i i wish that i could have been doing on a more regular basis but those guys at kxl were doing it all the time and doing a great job with it so uh you know and you mentioned some some great names dick osborne uh jim Janot, jim rivers uh, bruce lavoy uh he had just such a great stable uh, of uh, broadcasters at at KXL, you you grew up in a, an amazing environment right here.
1: Yeah, I was. I, I can't say how lucky I was. I mean, yeah, you he know, had Gardner Hill and Don Dunkley doing right. hoops. Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was a great time. And I remember the first time you and I met. as You probably don't remember. It was when the Concord Quarry Dogs were coming into existence. I think there was a press conference at what became Doan Diamond after the unfortunate passing of Warren Doan and. What, you were covering it as a reporter for your station. and I was like, wow, look at this guy. What a great voice. And then shortly thereafter, if my timeline is, is right, you became the voice of the Manchester Monarchs, which was the envy of everybody in uh, the Granite State. So a, a career you had there was unrivaled. So it, it's uh, a good state for sportscasters. And I have to correct one thing you've mentioned a few times. I am no longer the reigning sportscaster of the year. As the new announcement came out, Uh, maybe two days ago, a gentleman by the name of Brett Franklin Ah, who worked in the Upper Valley. And here's Brett Franklin's connection to WKXL, if I can sneak this in here. You you can. (laughs) Uh, Many, 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 many years ago, I was the voice of the Concord Senators. The Concord Senators in WKXL was the men's over-30 baseball league, and it probably still exists, but they're no longer on the radio. But Sunday mornings, I used to broadcast That was my foray into baseball broadcasting, was doing over 30 men's league games, and the Concord Senators were a powerful team, and they had some great players. Uh, Jimmy Heath and his brother Glenn Heath, Bill Butterfield was the manager, Steve Stefano on the mound, uh, just some some great players all the way around. I don't want to leave anybody out, like Stoddard or Lassan. but the uh, point is my father had a colleague at work, and he worked in Massachusetts, Connecticut. My father traveled a lot, and he asked me one day, His little boy has aspirations to be a broadcaster. Do you mind if he comes and joins you at one of these over-30 league baseball games? So, here comes this little, maybe eight- or nine-year-old boy, wide-eyed. I put the headset on him, let him come on the air with me. That boy was Brett Franklin. Wow. And and now Brett is the voice of Dartmouth College, is well-established in the Upper Valley, and he is the New Hampshire Sportscaster of the Year for 2021.
0: No, he is a terrific broadcaster, and uh, I I don't know if he still has a show in the Upper Valley, but I know uh, a number of years ago, I I was on his show when I was covering uh, spring training for another radio station, and uh, he is just a great guy and a terrific broadcaster, and I I had no idea that you uh, played a role in the career of Brett Franklin, so that is terrific.
1: I've apologized to him often for, for him having such a good experience but he chased his career down. But, and he does still have that show with the dugout wizard, Bill Murphy. Yes. No relation. Yeah. But
0: yeah. yeah. I know Bill, yeah. There,
1: yeah. So they're still working their radio show up there and doing a great job in the Hanover area. And Brett is now the voice of Dartmouth uh, sports, football, and basketball.
0: And, and I know you, you used to have a show on uh, WKXL, which you kindly invited me to be on uh, any number of occasions from Alan Zaboskowin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I, I tell you what, the Sports Zone. Uh, the, <laughs> going back to Jim Janot, he he gave me the keys to say, okay, we'll give you the six to seven p.m. weekday time slot to do a sports show, and it started off as just Monday nights. It evolved to Monday and Thursdays, and then eventually five days a week. But that Monday night became Multimedia Monday, and so the I'd reach out to the vast collection of New Hampshire sports personnel, whether it was you or Dick Lutsk or Jamie Staten, or Eric Freed, or Chad Finn, who's now at the Globe, who still asked me about the, the uh, chicken tenders at Allen. <laughs> we had some great times up there talking about everything. And I remember one of your appearances, you were, I don't maybe the lone voice who said the Patriots are going to beat the Rams in that Super Bowl, the first of Tom Brady's many. And uh, it, it was we'd, we'd break that stuff down like we were...
0: Experts and it was fun. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun, and uh, and they fed us. And uh, I I brought my daughter Melissa up there a couple of times to join us, and uh, it was just uh, it was just great, and uh, I enjoyed that very much. But it might not have been your favorite show uh, on WKXL. We have to take a quick break, Murph, and then we'll talk about what uh, some of the other shows that you uh, appeared on on WKXL over the years. When we uh, come right back. It's Kale & Company here on WKXL, presented by Weed Family Automotive, conveniently located at 124 Store Street in Concord. Back again with Mike Murphy on Kale & Company at AM 1450 WKXL 103.9 in the Capital Region 101.9 in Manchester and beyond. We mentioned the the Sports Zone that uh, Mike hosted here on WKXL a number of years ago from uh, Allens of Boscoin and the Panda Bear Lounge. And uh, it was terrific. Had a lot of fun on that program. But I, I think a, a couple of other shows that uh, you appeared on here on WKXL uh, are near and dear to your heart as
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the swap shop is one I'll never, and, uh, you know, please uh, get, get us for those who heard my last appearance here because I, I went off in that tangent and, and Ken, being the expert, he says, let's talk about it some more. I mean, the swap shop was, before there was any kind of Facebook marketplace or Craigslist or anything else, Amazon, it was people calling from all over the capital region looking to sell or trade anything from a plow to a 13-inch black-and-white TV and everything in between. And it, the, the second that the uh, 9 o'clock CBS News started every weekday morning, coffee chat with Dick Osborne would end, the phones would light up. And when I say the phones light up, anywhere you walked in the building on Reddington Road, you'd have lights. Like, everybody could see when the phone was ringing. In case, you know, if you're a salesperson, you could, you always want to answer the phone. That was how you did business. But from 9.05, when the news ended and we played the weather, boom, then it was on. And it was like 25 minutes of fast pace. Let's take the call. Boom, next person. Let's take the call. And you had to give your home phone number yeah,' that was the only way hey if yeah. you want to buy my three live pigs, here's the <laughs> number in Bosque, you know and uh, i I did dub myself the Sultan of Swap. I loved doing the show. It even extended to Saturday mornings and some great times, some some really great times.
0: you know i I think I think the station now in in its seventy sixth year should consider bringing that back i I still and I know people you know will not these days. And for good reason, not give out their their home phone numbers these days. Uh, But, uh, you know, you could work something out where people could be contacted. And I I think it would be terrific. I I think people would still love it because I know there was another show similar to that on the seacoast for many, many years, which uh, is no longer in existence. And that was a very uh, popular show on that station. So uh, I I think it's about time that the KXL uh, brought back the swap shop, and, uh, you know, maybe a guest appearance from the Sultan of Swap, uh, you know, <laughs> would be in order, you know?
1: <laughs> I, I would co-sign the return of the show, and if, if so honored to be invited to even show up for a day. I'd, uh, I, I'd, I'd rush to be there. I think there is a market for it. How exactly it will look, yes, it's got to be somewhat different than it was back in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s, but it doesn't mean it doesn't belong. You know, much like radio itself, the audience has evolved the medium evolves and some things from the past should be resurrected the swap shop is on that list
0: i i I would say so uh any other memories that uh, come to mind from uh, your days at kxl
1: really enjoyed paula minor In good taste paula would come in every other tuesday i want to say and she would read recipes Ah. And people would share recipes with her, and she'd talk about theirs. She'd take phone calls. And it was just a fabulous show, you know. As hokey as it may seem, people, those are things that people like. All right, give me recipes. What can I do differently than I did last week? And I, I thought that was a, a really fun show that, that WKXL had. And, you know, Bill Kearney would come on and do his financially speaking, talking about things that still are foreign to me, wise investments. But just, just having Bill show up, we're a you know, big New York Mets fan, we talk baseball, and I just play the commercials and be able to listen to these shows. And that was that was the best part of getting paid to do radio, was getting paid to listen to interviews and, and meet so many fascinating people who might have talked to Dick or Gardner.
0: Yeah, no, very, in good taste. Huh? That's, that's another show that, that, that could be, re, uh, be resurrected here on, on WKXL. I like that. Uh, I just like
1: can. You're, become the program director we'll yeah. bring in some of these things back <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: a lot, a lot more responsibility than I want to have I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that but, if you need a,
1: a show called In Bad Faith I imagine I get more phone calls uh, <laughs> I, I see more more in tune with that <laughs>
0: Mike Murphy is with us and, uh, and Mike just hang in there for one more break and uh, just want to uh, get us up to date on some other things that are happening Uh, at the University of New Hampshire. So uh, hang in there. We'll be right back on AM 1450 WKXL, 103.9 FM in the Capital Region, 101.9 FM in Manchester and vicinity. We are presented by Weed Family Automotive. You can make an uh, an appointment right now at 603-225-7988 or online at weedfamilyautomotive.com. Welcome back to Kale and Company, one final segment. We're heading down the home stretch. Glad to have you with us today and uh, delighted to have Mike Murphy with us. And uh, Murph, if you don't know, is the Associate Athletic Director for Marketing and Communications at the University of New Hampshire, the voice of UNH hockey and a WKXL alum. We uh, talked about some great memories of WKXL just moments ago, and you can hear this program again, if you missed that part, on uh, nhtalkradio.com. It'll be up there. You can uh, listen to this show time and time again. And uh, Murph, in the waning moments we have, just bring us up to date on what else is happening sports-wise at the University of New Hampshire.
1: Yeah, thanks, Ken. I mean, the winter is a really busy time for sports, which I prefer, because it keeps me inside and busy, as opposed to some of these miserable weather days until we get to spring. But our men's and women's basketball teams are in the midst of their respective seasons. Gymnastics just got underway, but the swimming team, the skiing program, track and field, and believe it or not, the spring sports season starts in early February with lacrosse. And there's, they don't work harder than lacrosse. We have to play outside games in New England in February. So it's uh, no, as we talk on this day, and again, it's, it's being recorded on a Wednesday, our women's basketball team is playing against Hartford at 6 o'clock. While the men's teams play down in Connecticut. So it's, it's a good rhythm. You know, every couple of days, there's games. And naturally, we keep our fingers crossed because we've had some postponements and rescheduling because of, of COVID. But students will be back on campus this weekend. Naturally, there's some concern when everyone retests coming in how that will play out. But I really credit the sports medicine staff at the university, And I mean, forget the COVID protocols, uh, staff in general at the university for really making it more palatable this year, not locking people in isolation as much and keeping people away. It's able to enjoy events, be part of it, wear your masks, use those large bathrooms we talked about earlier at the Whittemore (laughs) Center, and at least enjoy things. And I think that's been a real nice 21-22 season, and I hope we continue on that path. I can get only better from
0: here. And I know you're very much involved with the gymnastics uh, program at UNH, which has been a, a very successful one over the years. And, you know, for people who have never been to a gymnastics event, it's really something to see. And I, I think uh, maybe you could describe it better than I can, but it's it's kind of like uh, like a three-ring circus sometimes.
1: Yeah, when you get one of those uh, quad meets, when there's four teams competing at once, that's when it really is sensory overload. To com- to think about gymnastics, it's music, it's performance, and it's cheer for everybody. You know, you-, you never cheer against anyone, whether you want UNH to win. But, you know, they have a meet coming up, just a dual meet, so Temple's coming in at 2 o'clock on this Sunday, the 23rd. Later on this year, though, if you want to circle something in your calendar, Sunday, March 13th, it's the annual Whittemore Center gymnastics meet. We have a much bigger venue. You can buy beer, for example, and enjoy those uh, the bathrooms that I continue to go to for some <laughs> weird reason. But Penn State is in town for that one. Brown, Southern Connecticut State, that's when you have those four events, and they're all going on at once. But everywhere you turn, whether it's the uneven bars or the balance beam or the floor exercise, where they really strut their stuff and show off for you. It's fantastic. It's, it's nothing, and it flies by. You know, the next thing you know, you, an hour, 45 minutes, it's over. And uh, you had a great take. It was really a good time, especially for families with younger kids who want to burn off some energy. The kids end up dancing to the music, and everyone has a good time.
0: So, I'll write that down March 13th at The Wit. And, Mike Murphy, I appreciate the time you have spent with us uh, today here on Kale and Company. Great to reminisce. And uh, always uh, great to see you, and we'll see you uh, in the not-too-distant future, I
1: hope. Ken, thank you so much for having me on. Great to go over some of these great memories from WKXL years past.
0: Thanks so much, Murphy. We appreciate it. Bye-bye. Mike Murphy, our guest today on Kale & Company right here on WKXL. Kale & Company presented by Weed Family Automotive, 124 Store Street in Concord. Weedfamilyautomotive.com. Join us next time for Kale & Company.